RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by GamePrint. We thank them and our patrons for their support of Priority One Podcast. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 420 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, July 2nd, 2019. And available for download or streaming on Friday, July 5th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kat. Well, Anthony is out again this week, Captains, but we have a very special guest hosting with us to deliver the weekly recap of Star Trek news. Joining us this week is Star Trek Online's environment artist, Nick Takofang Duget. Yay! This is Nick, uh, Takofang, Priority One, Sync Three. Oh, d- <laughs> thanks, Nick. <laughs> well, Nick, really, thank you again for joining us on this week. We're, we're so very excited to have you. It's been a while. Usually, you know, we, we have you on for just interviews alone or at Vegas, but now... You get to co-host with us and talk about the news. <laughs> you fools. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kat, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week? Well, this week we're checking out Star Trek Picard's newly announced showrunner and Star Trek Universe Invades San Diego Comic-Con. In Star Trek Online and Gaming News, we take a closer look at Star Trek Online's newest hot rods and discuss the power of gifting. Of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. And if you haven't thought to, we encourage you to open hailing frequencies. Reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email at incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. And captains, we do need to take a moment to thank our patrons because without their support, we would not have been able to upgrade our website. That's right. We very stealthily and ninja a release of our new website over at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We're hoping that with this transition, it makes it easier for you to just visit the site and start listening to the latest episode with an inline player right on the homepage. Now, this would not be possible without the monthly contributions of our patrons who help us to improve our digital tools like our website, editing software, or equipment that we bring to us to conventions live. For instance, Star Trek Las Vegas coming up in less than a month. So, Captains, if you haven't already thought to, please consider contributing to our Patreon page over at patreon.com forward slash priority one podcast. There are several tiers to entice you, including After Hours, a completely separate show, unscripted, unedited, 
recorded by your hosts and special guests each and every week. Captains, we understand that a financial contribution may not be possible, but there are other ways you can help the show. We're looking for volunteers to join the production. Specifically, we're looking for audio editors to help clean up a segment or two. We currently have a great team working hard each week, but many hands make light work. Shoot us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com with audio editor in the subject line. Now let's trek out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. You want places? I don't know. Then let's trek it out. We may not know if Jean-Luc Picard will take command of a Starfleet vessel in the upcoming series, Star Trek Picard, but... We do know who will take command of show-running duties, Michael Shabon. The 56-year-old American-born Shabon is a Pulitzer Prize-winning author with experience in screenwriting, including his work on Star Trek Discovery's short trek, Calypso. In a press release, Star Trek franchise head Alex Kurtzman said, quote, Daring, lyrical, humane, whimsical, celebrated. Words that describe both Jean-Luc Picard and the literary genius of Michael Chabon. Despite a laundry list of accomplishments most writers only dream of, Michael shines with the heart and soul of a Trekkie who's finally found his dream job. We are so fortunate to have him at the helm as we explore this next chapter in the great captain's life. End quote. Chabon continued with, quote, Star Trek has been an important part of my way of thinking about the world, the future, human nature, storytelling, and myself since I was 10 years old. I come to work every day in a state of joy and awe at having been entrusted with the character of the world of Jean-Luc Picard, with this vibrant strand of the rich, intricate, and complex tapestry that is Trek." End quote. For links to those articles, be sure to check out the show notes. I'm, I'm excited. excited. <laughs> Get out of my head. Jinx. Ah. <laughs> you can't talk for what makes you excited about it, Nick? Just he's pretty well known for being a pretty great writer. Um, I don't know that we've seen him as a showrunner before, which is interesting. But, you know, no doubt that they'll get him up to speed and he'll be good. So, yeah. Yeah, I like he's super passionate about it or he sounds that way from his quotes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and also he is an award winning writer, right? He's He's won a Hugo for Best Novel and a Nebula Award. Um, so he knows and is familiar and comfortable with science fiction. And I would assume that he would not be, I guess I'm, I'm assuming, which, uh, you know, does those things, but he probably wouldn't be involved with Star Trek unless he was actually interested in it. He it strikes me as the kind of person that, you know, does what he wants, so to speak. You know, he, he works on the, the projects that he's interested in. Right? So the fact that he's interested means that I think that he's interested in Star Trek as a whole and has probably seen a fair bit of it at some point. Convention season is upon us and though Star Trek Las Vegas holds a special place in our Trekkie hearts, there is no denying that the big kahuna of the convention season is San Diego Comic-Con. But there's no need to be jealous because our beloved series is set to invade San Diego Comic-Con 50 with its Star Trek Universe campaign. Star Trek will take over the prestigious Hall H for an hour and a half, 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturday, July 20th. Kicking off the three half-hour panels is the cast of Star Trek Discovery, moderated by comedian actress Tigna Taro, Discovery's Jet Reno. The panel will include series lead Sonequa Martin-Green and executive producers Alex Kurtzman, Michelle Paradise, and Heather Caden. 
Next up is Star Trek Lower Decks, the animated comedy from TNG Season 8 creator and Rick and Morty showrunner Mike McMahon. StarTrek.com teases the possibility of a special guest or two, as well as a first look at the upcoming series. Finishing off the takeover is Sir Patrick Stewart and the cast of Star Trek Picard. Joining the on-screen talent will be executive producers Alex Kurtzman, Michael Shabon, Akiva Goldsman, and Heather Caden. But San Diego Comic-Con isn't just about panels. Star Trek Universe is taking to the floor as well. From the Star Trek Discovery Interactive Transporter Experience, which will allow you to board the Discovery, to the John Luke Picard, the first duty exhibit, which will feature uniforms and props from TNG and Star Trek Picard. There'll be plenty of Star Trek to experience. Finally, if collectibles are your thing, the Star Trek Universe has something for you too. From StarTrek.com, quote, All week long, a Star Trek Headquarters Visitor's Badge will be available for those who visit and complete a Star Trek Transporter experience on the show floor. On Saturday afternoon and Sunday, a limited quantity of pins featuring the debut of two characters from the upcoming CBS all-access animated show, Star Trek Lower Decks, will also be available from the Star Trek booth. At the Jean-Luc Picard, the first duty museum experience at Michael J. Wolf Fine Arts, Fans can get an exclusive replica pin of the Picard family crest as seen in Star Trek Picard. Check out the show notes for links to details. So I would love to attend San Diego Comic-Con. Nick, Kat, do either of you have any plans to try to go? No, sir. No. I've never been. Yeah, it seems like it's a bit overwhelming at this point. I much would have liked to have gone when it was not as yeah. it sounds super hipstery but i'm kind of like i'm in the same boat where like i wish i had gone you know in the early 2000s when it was big but not crazy and it just doesn't sound appealing at this point to me i mean aspects of it are appealing but like the whole of it is repulsive <laughs> yeah i found i found that i feel that way going to new york comic-con because that is a lot of people in new york city in a confined space right and so if you're already if that type of environment already affects you you know it's just walking into the lion's den for that kind of thing so it gets to be a lot however i don't know some of these these are nice to have like i got at new york comic-con they were giving they were selling the jean-luc picard autobiography novel and giving an exclusive pin that went with the novel. It was like a little That's enterprise cool. pin. So that was cool. cool. Yeah, those are cool. So, yeah, I'm excited about the Star Trek things that are happening there. Not much else. So it's hard to to justify a trip. I wish that I, like, had a friend that lived, you know, three blocks away. And I could just go, like, hang out in San Diego. And when I felt like it, I could just go down. And, like, it's honestly the same way I feel about STLV. Like, I wish I could just be there and hang out and, you know, go down when I'm feeling like it and leave when I'm not. And I mean, I kind of do that. I go back to the room, but it's not the same. You don't feel comfortable in a hotel room necessarily the same way that you would, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I get it. (laughs) It's how I feel about parties. Like I I want want the party to be going on constantly, you know, in the next room or in the next apartment. And then I can just sleep until I'm ready. And then I'll go over for a bit and then I can come back. (laughs) feels like South by Southwest to me. It's where it's like, yeah, it's good in theory until you have are stuck downtown because traffic's terrible and you can't get out. Yeah, it's a, it's an experience. And I, I, I hope that they will offer some of these at STLV, for instance, and hopefully New York Comic Con. I don't know. I don't know the Michael J. Wolf Fine Arts booth. Is that something that has been at STLV before? 
They have, yeah, uh, I think that last year that version of that was the same as the exhibit that they had for Discovery at STLV where you can kind of get up close and personal with the costumes. And then at that same, or in the adjacent room, there was one for TNG and they had like the Borg Queen skull. Like I think that's what this is going to be. I think it's going to be a lot of the same things. I'm just kind of jealous that I won't be able to get my hands on cool little pins like the crest like the family crest. I you know I have gone to so many conventions at this point I'm I'm so past getting the little knickknacks I have tubs full of it that I've gotten rid of because it just sits in a box like I don't do anything with it I don't care about it there are a few you know one one little thing here and there that I'll want and then most of the time I'm just like no don't I don't want your shirt I don't want the cup I don't want the thing just I want to see the things I want to experience stuff but I don't want the thing Well, Captains, that brings us to our first community question this week. Are you going to San Diego Comic-Con this year? What are you most looking forward to? Panels, meet and greets, interactive displays, exclusives? Let us know by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like facebook.com forward slash priority one or on Twitter and Instagram at priority one pod or visit our brand spanking new website over at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, before we jump into Star Trek Online news, we do need to take a moment to thank our sponsor for this episode, Mixed Dimensions. Now, we've been talking about them for the last several weeks, and hopefully you've already pulled the trigger and have decided on what starship you want to have custom printed with the latest 3D technology for you to display proudly wherever you have your Star Trek memorabilia. Now, Nick... You know, you work at uh, Cryptic Studios, obviously. I do. And you've seen some of these ships firsthand. You know, what is your takeaway as an artist? What is your takeaway when looking at these 3D printed ships? I mean, they're gorgeous and huge. And yeah, I don't know. They're crazy. Like, it's amazing that we can print things in full color that look that good already. Because I, I don't know. I've done 3D printing in the past, but all I've done is the FDM, you know, where you can see the layers and, and it's all just one color. And so, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy that they can do the detail that they have on those. What, what, if you had your pick of ship to print, what do you think you would get? Uh, I'm going to default to the Nova because that's always like my ship of choice, but you can also just get Novas all over the place. So it seems like you'd want to do something custom or crazy. Um, I've seen some good rising Corvettes actually. So the new rising Corvette, let's go with that. That seems like to be nice. Yes. Yes. And with those brand new shields that are coming out with uh, this event, I'm sure that that's going to be quite interesting to have 3d printed. And of course, captains, you don't have to be a star Trek online player to take advantage of having a custom print. And like Nick just mentioned a few moments ago, yeah, you can get a Nova class from most other toy makers and model makers that do Star Trek ships. But in Star Trek Online, you can customize that Nova or any ship for that matter and have it printed in the way you want it to be displayed. Ships, colors, name and registry, you name it. And as I was saying earlier, you don't have to be a Star Trek Online player to take advantage of this. Just visit gameprint.net and explore their massive library of ships 
that other players have already uploaded. Oh, I didn't even know about that. That's cool. Yes, you can even go in and select the ship and change the name and the registry to whatever you want it to be, right. even though it's somebody else's ship. That's really cool. With options starting at just $19.99 for a four inch color print and the reintroduction of their hand painted models, there's no reason why you shouldn't just add a unique starship to your collection customized just for you. And captains, don't forget that we've teamed up with Mixed Dimensions to save you 20% off of your order of any ship at any size. Just use coupon code PRIORITY20, that's PRIORITY20, at checkout. Of course, we thank our sponsor, Mixed Dimensions, for their support of Priority One Podcast. What's more exciting than the Lolanot Festival? The prize you get by participating in the Lolanot Festival. And this week, details for the grand prize, the Tier 6 Rysian Corvette, were announced. Yippee! The Tier 6 Rysian Corvette features a 4 forward, 3 aft weapon layout with the ability to equip dual heavy cannons. In addition, the ship comes with the experimental weapon Solition Wave Impeller, which damages and slows your target and has a chance of causing radiation damage over time. Further, the Solution Wave Impeller increases your weapon haste based on engine power. The Corvette also comes equipped with the Universal Console Enhanced Subspace Wake Generator. When activated, the console causes a subspace wake that damages and slows nearby critters and improves your mobility. It also passively increases flight speed and maximum engine power and can be equipped in any of the Corvette's four tactical, four engineering, or three science console slots, or any other ship in your dry dock. Finally, reaching level five Starship Mastery will grant you the Starship trait Rhythmic Rumble. Quote, while this trait is slotted, activating any auxiliary power to the inertial dampeners or any pilot bridge officer ability grants you a boost to damage resistance rating and weapon power cost based on your speed. End quote. Once you've unlocked the Tier 6 Rising, you will have the opportunity to purchase the Tier 6 Rising Pilot Corvette from your fleet. For one fleet ship module and 20,000 fleet credits, you'll get access to the upgraded Corvette, which will be able to perform pilot maneuvers like afterburners, retro rockets, and barrel rolls. The pilot Corvette improves on the Rysian Corvette's bridge officer stations, upgrading to commander, tactical, pilot, and lieutenant tactical pilot stations, maintaining the lieutenant commander engineering and ensign science slots, and downgrading to a lieutenant commander universal station. Finally, you'll see an increase in hull and shield modifiers from the Rysian Corvette's .9 to the Pilot Corvette's .99 in both categories while maintaining the Rysian's mind-boggling 21 degrees per second turn rate, .27 impulse modifier, and 90 inertia stats. Oh man, I can't wait to get this ship and fly it so fast. For a link to the full stats breakdown, check out the show notes. Now, here's my question though. So with these really fast and nimble ships there tends to be a drift but is it the higher inertia stats the less that drift happens that tokyo drift when you stop i don't yeah yes i think so because these things turn on a dime and they don't you know they're not sliding all over the place once you're made the turn basically what she said i find that i find that my gagarin drifts quite a bit those do, though. They just slide right. You're just like, oh, I didn't mean to go there. Hey. <laughs> Starship combat. It's not, you know, you're not a fighter. Yes. But these things are speedboats. So. I'm not going to lie. I've, it's been a while since I've done a summer ship, and I think I might get this one. I think I might try to go for it. It's pretty you hot. You should. 
Nick, do you play the game in much? Um, not much, but some here and there. But we get all the ships for free, so there's gonna like we don't have to grind for any of that stuff. Well, that's nice. It is, but it also takes like some of the motivation out of it for for playing. You know, I mean, we play for you know for fun and all that anyway. But but yeah, it's you know you don't get the the payoff necessarily of moment of oh my god, yeah. this guy ship. Well, this ship looks. It's just wow! I can't wait yeah. to fly it. I Almost love fast really little job. ships. Yeah, I love fast ships. Yeah, it's it's quick for sure. Well, that brings us to our next community question this week. Now that you've seen the stats, what do you think about the Tier 6 Rycian Cruiser and the Rycian Pilot Corvette? Again, you can answer our community question by visiting us over at PriorityOnePodcast.com or keeping an eye on our social media channels for our community question post. Gift a Starship! A long-requested feature is making a short-term appearance in the Zen Store from July 3rd at 8 a.m. Pacific Time to July 8th at 10 a.m. Players will have an opportunity to purchase a T6 Starship coupon gift for 3,000 Zen, the price of a tier six starship, players can purchase a tradable coupon reward pack. Once opened, the players will receive a coupon that will grant the user 100% off the purchase price of any ship in the Zen store. Be careful not to open the reward pack unless you want to keep the prize inside yourself. The coupon is account bound. Ah, that's a nice noted warning there. Don't open the box yeah. unless you want to buy yourself a ship. Damn right. But it's a good gift. It's, I mean, it's pretty cool that we, that you can gift a ship to somebody else now like that. We thought. Just so that everybody knows my birthday is Octo- in October. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It is really yeah. cool that you can give ships because, you know, if you're trying to not necessarily coerce, but encourage your friends to play you can give them a cool ship and they can start playing especially if they're leveling somebody up and you can get them a tier six ship right this is definitely for the star trek fan who has not yet jumped into the game because they're like oh i don't want to wait until i'm level 60 to fly a defiant even though now you don't have to worry about that anyway now it's hey here's a ship play it honestly that's how i got into trying that game that is in such turmoil star citizen oh was that Tony from Guard Frequency was like, here, here's a here's a gift, here's a ship, try out the game, see if you enjoy it and play with us. And I did not. So. <laughs> I mean, I tried it, but I did not like it, and I did not continue playing. Well, that's fair. But you can also gift things just to friends who might, you know, have been lusting after some ship that they haven't bought or whatever. If you, you know, it's a gift. It's whatever you want to use it for. Right? Exactly. Not all, not everybody can get a Zen store ship. Or you can buy so. it for himself if you want to buy a coupon to buy yourself a ship. <laughs> sure, do that. There's all kinds of ships, too. There's lots of ships. Note, according to Ambassador Kale, players will not be able to put the coupon reward pack on the exchange. So you can't sell it on the exchange. So, Nick, while we have you, why don't you tell us what you've been working on recently, what we might have seen over the last couple of months? I refuse. Fair enough. Moving on. <laughs> I can't talk about what we've been working on. I really want to. I think it's cool, but, you know, that's a standard thing of it's not out. It's not announced. We can't talk about it. So things I can talk about, Havo, Prior's World, Ryza, that's, and, you know, anything before that, obviously. Those are the things that are most recent that I've touched. So did you work on the environment for the last two uh, featured episodes that we did with Rekha Sharma and Jason Isaacs? Yes. The, yes. Along with the pits. Well, Mm, I did the interior of the Baran with the the attack and the shuttle escape. And then, although that was, you know, obviously using all of the discovery stuff that we have already had, but I did the layout and, you know, some of the swaps and things. Although the 
spoiler alert, ceiling panel that fell down was uh, worked on by David and then Chris, our new environment artist. And then I helped a bunch with the with Pryor's World, the moon, the ice planet that you go down to. Oh, I love that. David really had you know headed up that whole project, so that was his baby. But I did a lot of work on the the materials for the rocks and the snow and the ice and all that kind of stuff. It was a lot of fun. It's cool to do something you know pretty different from what we've done really anywhere. We don't. I mean, we have some snowy maps, but they're they're ancient, and so it was cool to do it again and. Modern. So what what does make it different, right? So you said you you just said you have a few older maps that are snowy. You know, I think of Andoria, for instance. But what is different now versus back then, and what kind of techniques might have you applied to this map? I mean, technology has progressed a lot since Andoria was built, and you know, or we're a Penthe or some of our other older maps. And so our min spec has been raised over the years so that we have to make sure that the game will run on whatever our min spec machine is. And since that has been bumped up, that means that we can do more graphically intensive stuff there. You know, just technology has progressed. We, you know, use different tools now than we may, might have used back then to create all that stuff. We had more time. We have a, a newish, he's been here for just over a year now, art lead on Star Trek named Bill. And Bill has been making a pretty big push for you know quality and for taking time to actually put the quality in that, that things deserve. So you know it takes us more time to build something like Prior's World, but I think that the, the quality of the environment and the quality of the mission you know really speak to that. The, the cutscene work and stuff that that Weston was able to put into it, and yeah, so you know, I'm I'm curious. So you mentioned Weston and and setting up the cinem- the cinematics for that. How involved are you when he's making the animation? Do you essentially create the environment and then he has fun, or does he sometimes have to ha- have a vision for a scene that is separate from the map that you have to create? Usually, usually it's us making the map and then we tell a story within that. I don't necessarily work so much directly with Weston as our environment lead Scott does. Scott has kind of become the the cinematographer, if you want, for the for the cutscene. So even though Weston is doing all of the animation and the camera work and all that, Scott and Weston and a couple other people will come up with storyboards for what they want a cutscene to look like and what they, sh- you know, the shots that they want, all that. And so, you know, maybe maybe in some of that it will be discovered that, oh, well, it'd be really cool if we had, you know, this part kind of scene or, you know, some, some little item or object or whatever. But usually it's not like, oh, well, we need to add an entirely new environment because it takes so long to make something make an environment like that. But, you know, we couldn't just suddenly say, OK, well, we need a we need a fire moon as well as an ice moon. You know, that, right. that would get negated <laughs> pretty quick. Well, I know the last few missions are just phenomenal. Like, I love, they're like my new favorite missions. The Everything looks so great. And the missions themselves are fantastic, well-written. And the cutscenes are amazing. All of that is so, so good. Glad, glad you like it. I do. I love it. More Jason Isaacs. <laughs> More Jason Isaacs. I don't know if that's going to be in the cards anytime soon. Uh, just personal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm not sure about Jason Isaacs. We have other things in the works, but can't talk about any of that either. So. But that's okay. But anyway, well done. Yeah. It's been fantastic. The latest missions are great. Yeah. 
Oh, Operation Repost was another one that I worked on if you've played through that. Yeah. Did you play Binary Stars? Yes. I did, oh, yes. Oh, that one was so cool looking. I yeah. loved it. Oh, that's right. You did Binary Stars, right? Have we had a chance to talk about that? I don't think so. Well, well done. That map is awesome. <laughs> I would just fly around afterwards and just check it all out. I, I Thanks. Like, never hung around after a TFO was done that much. What did that take to put together something like Binary Stars? Right, because it is so screen accurate. Well, thank you. It's so good. That, I, I will, I mean, I did the work for it, but I will credit Bill for fighting for the time to, to do it. That is, you know, space maps, most of the game, space maps are the easy part. The space maps don't take nearly as much time as the ground maps do, just because there isn't much there, right? We, we need a planet and we need a sun and we need some stuff in the sky. And so a lot of that is relatively pretty simple and pretty quick. You know, we might do a space map in three or four days most of the time. And for that map, you know, Bill and others fought to make sure that we got, I think we had a full six weeks to work on that map. I might be wrong on that. It might be four weeks or something, but it's still like, you know, four times as much as we would normally have to spend on a single space map. So that's that's it. Like, that's really the difference is is give us time and we can make cooler stuff. And what, I mean, did you, were you going frame by frame with Discovery or did, were it because of the relationship that is being developed with CBS licensees, were you able to kind of look at better digital shots of that environment from the show? No, we get a, we get some stuff from CBS, you know, behind the scenes and, and that kind of stuff, but it's really sporadic in terms of what it covers and, you know, it's almost <laughs> like we'll have a we'll have terabytes devoted to this stuff and and almost all of it is not the stuff that we need, right? It's like, it's all, it all just happens to be the things that aren't necessarily useful. They would be useful if we were doing exactly this one thing, but it's not that thing. So no, it's all screenshots from the show. And it's not, I didn't try to match necessarily one screenshot because if you if you watch the show and you watch it with the eye that we have to in order to try and recreate things like this, and you take screenshots along the way, go take screenshots of that whole episode of the binary stars and the colors even change between them. Like one is very orange and the next one is very yellow. And this mm. one shows the binary stars being in this orientation and this one shows the binary stars in this orientation. And so you can't just like, you, you either have to like pick one and say, that's the one that we're going to match or mm. say, okay, we're not necessarily matching any of these. We just want the feel of kind of all of this. Right. And so that was really more what happened with binary stars is it was more, trying to just match the feel of of that episode and of the those scenes rather than trying to be very screen accurate to one particular screenshot well it worked cool it did. Felt like, a, that, i felt like, like i was there <laughs> yeah yeah you did some amazing work on that map i mean like yeah like kat said it was we were in the scene with the shenzo uh aboard well, and the, and i will say like the gameplay of it really helped to sell that too of feeling like you're actually there you know i think they did it really the designers i can't remember who was a designer on it i want to say it was ryan they did a really good job of of capturing the feel of that battle so that you actually felt like you were helping out and doing things and you were there but you were just one of the other ships you know well congrats yeah thanks yeah it was really good well done that's it for this week in gaming news now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming message coming in sir hailing frequencies open see we are getting to know each other well, Captain's hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Episode 419's first community question was, 
If you could reboot Star Trek TNG, who would you cast? From Facebook, Ron Kinney, TNG, like TOS, was a masterpiece that doesn't need to be recreated. Ooh. Good point. Well said. What do you think, Nick? Who would you, if you if you could recast TNG? I would take all of the actors from the first X-Men movie and put them into the roles on the brick. <laughs> At least we get to keep <laughs> start Patrick Stewart then. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, but he would play Data now. Noonie and Sung. <laughs> Via Twitter, Ken from Chicago writes in, Star Trek, the same generation. It follows up on TNG characters with the same actors. And finally breaks the silly, unwritten rule that everyone has to be on the same ship or station. I think most people were like, no, never recast it. It's fine. I know. I know. <laughs> Episode 419's second community question was, what are you most looking forward to getting during the 2019 Rising and Lolanat Festival? From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy says, I need to get the new Tribble and the ship. Yeah, I think I'm going to get the ship this year. That's what I'm thinking. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Tyler Maxwell Nothing really jumps out at me as must-haves, though I guess actually being able to throw a baseball back and forth between folks sounds kind of fun. Well, that wraps up episode 420 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, The Trek Files, and daily Star Trek news, visit podcast.roddenberry.com. Before we go, we can't forget to send a very special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters. Diana Gunther, Darnell Dwayne Ross, David K. Rutley, Joshua Selig, and Peter Archibald. We thank them and our other patrons for their ongoing contributions to Priority One. Before we go, here's a community question for this week. Are you going to San Diego Comic-Con this year? What are you most looking forward to? Panels, meet and greets, interactive displays, exclusives? Or, now that you've seen the stats, what do you think about the Tier 6 Rising Cruiser and the Rising Pilot Corvette? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave a comment at our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash PriorityOnePodcast or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by doing a search on your favorite podcast app for Roddenberry where you'll get a listing of all the Roddenberry Podcast Network shows including Priority One. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 8 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and me and the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news as well as spotlight some of our amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, to earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there is something for all STO players, new and old. Follow us on all of our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com slash PriorityOne. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. 
Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. First and foremost, a massive thanks to Nick, Taco Tumor Fangboy, environment artist for Star Trek Online, for being our guest host this week. Nick, it is always a pleasure chatting with you and doing a show with you. I am so hoping to see you at Vegas this year. Yeah, me too. Thanks to our audio editors, including William Hardy, Brandon Parker, Rand Hurl, Daniel Stevens, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, for assisting in the production of this weekly show. To our community manager, Shane Hoover, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Sue, no. Engage. we take a closer look at star trek online's newest hot rods oh i'm gonna do that again <laughs> and if you haven't thought to we encourage you to open hailing frequencies and, <laughs> and if you have it's hard right <laughs> i suck at reading things like this i can <laughs> i can riff all day long but i cannot read and yeah. so it will suffer through this uh we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash priority one prod. We're on Twitter and Instagram at, at priority one prod. We're <laughs> <laughs> priority prod, prod. That is a different show, right. man. That is a different show. <laughs> don't go there. Hey, no. Don't go to, the, don't go to uh, priority one prod. Well, on the next printout of priority one t-shirts, I know not to give you one. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Listen, I've got my Floss in Paradise shirt. That's all I need. I do love that Floss in Paradise shirt. I'm all Ruby Rod. <laughs> Super green. Oh, Super green. Cream. There's your 420 joke. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the name of the podcast. Super green. Oh, awesome. Commercial. <laughs> Commercial. Commercial. <laughs> well, captains. Community question. Community question. <laughs> <laughs> podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network